0: You can open your Bible to numbers back in the Old Testament, page 142. Depending on the Bible, I guess the app, you don't have numbers on it. But we had been teaching on transition, really promotion, walking in new things. I want to share this morning from Numbers 23, 19, and then we're going to kind of go wherever we go from there. And how many of you know God can take his word like a loaf of bread and multiply it to us? He can get more out of this to you and give you answers like he multiplied the loaves and fish. If we'll pray, say, hey God, help me. I need to hear from you. He will multiply what's said. And there will be things that will get in you that you will hear that will be beyond what was actually spoken. Are you with me? And that is a good thing about serving God. He deals with us beyond our mind. That's a good thing. Because at times we've got to get beyond our mind. But Numbers 23, 19, it says this, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, will he not do Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? There is a huge amount of stuff in there. Notice the first part. He said, God is not a man. God is not a human being like us. And then he makes this statement that he should lie. So basically, he said humans will have a place where they might lie. But God is not a human I mean, probably everybody in their life at some time has lied. Okay? Let me say it this way you probably know somebody (laughs) who's lied. You know, when you're a little kid or something like that, it's sometimes somebody, but he said, God is not a man that he should lie. In other words, everywhere you can look can be lies. People don't trust the news. People don't trust things. People don't trust other people. Why? Because maybe they might lie. But the Bible said, God is not a man that he should lie. Well, thank God. Then that means if we hear something from him, He's not going to lie about it. It's just going to be, that's the truth. But I'm so glad he didn't just stop there and say, nor the Son of Man, that he should repent. Meaning this, he doesn't lie, so he's going to tell you something, he's going to direct your path, he's going to give you a a big picture about your future, about your life, what he wants to do. And it's true. But he may change his mind. It was true at one time, but he may change his mind and go, you know what, that was true, but I've changed my mind. You know, those are real things that can come about in a person's mind. I know he spoke to me. I know he dealt with me. Now, we can get confused on things, but when we know it was him, or know it's him, he said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor is God like the Son of Man that should repent, or you could say this, change his mind. In other words, God doesn't just lie and just doesn't change his mind. Why why would he tell us these things right here? What is he trying to get across to us? Has he said, and will he not do it or make it good? In other words, He's not lying about it. and He's not changing his mind about it. And if he said it, he'll do it. You know, there's a human factor, though, that I think should be looked at when we talk about God, his faithfulness, his unchangeableness. You know, talking about promotion, moving into things, walking into good things. Because I, in dealing with people and dealing with myself, have heard things that were real clear. Now, there are things that sometimes aren't clear. But sometimes things can get real clear, and then you don't hear anything about it for a little bit. And you think, did he change his mind? I know you've never had that thought. But these verses of Scripture were written so we can be steady. Nobody needs to be steady. Oh, we all, you know, in a world that's shifting in every direction, we can be steady. And he can help us, and he tries to, by things like this. He doesn't change. He doesn't lie. If he said it, he'll do it. But what happens when I change? It's a good question. He said it. He's not lying about it. He's not going back and forth about it. He absolutely said it. What do I do when I have been like Sarah? You remember Sarah? That lady back there? No. No, we're talking about Sarah in the Bible. Somebody who God had chosen to bear, you know, a child that would cause Christ's lineage to come create a nation through her I mean she's given a promise so if you get a promise and God doesn't lie God doesn't change his mind I mean how good is that I mean if you're in Sarah's shoes you got a God who's not lying. You got a God who's not changing his mind. I mean, this is good. But then Sarah jacks it all up. Sarah's <laughs> looking at me back there. This is the Bible, Sarah. And um, But the fact of the matter is, she messed up. God gave a word that he would not change. He wasn't lying. I mean, it was a fact, and he said, this is going to happen in your life, and she laughed and went in unbelief. Nah, nah, that's not going to work. That can happen. Well, here's an interesting thought then. For all the characters in the Bible that we see who heard a word, were on a course... Kind of got an attitude. Nobody's ever had an attitude, and here we—thankfully, we're pretty much perfect. But we do know others that have had attitudes, right? I mean, Elijah—he's called to be this great prophet, you know, and all this stuff. And man, he calls down fire. Then he has an attitude because of some lady. Some lady, I, and she, he said, just kill me, God. I'm done. Well, if he was done, he wouldn't have ran. Because she could have easily come and got him. He, he didn't want to quit. But you know what? Did it end everything with him and the promises and the work that was in his life? What about Sarah? I mean, she laughed. And then, in unbelief. She's in this tent. God's talking to her husband. This is going to happen. And she's just full of unbelief to this non-lie, unchanging promise. And she's just full of unbelief. Well, does that mess the promise up? I mean, that's an interesting thing. Then... God's like, hey, she's in there laughing in unbelief. And she she's like, nuh-uh. Nuh-uh. She's flat lying now. Well, then this is the end for sure. Now God changes his mind and went, this was a sure word, an unchanging word, but you faltered. And because you faltered, that's it. that what happened some of you don't know the story god's like you know some people are like wow what a bummer i faltered too i guess it's over for me god would just say stuff like well you watch and see and this is what i said and and here we go and somewhere along the line sarah in hebrews eleven eleven says this by faith sarah herself by faith What does that mean by faith? It means somewhere along the line, Sarah got into confidence. She did not start there. God had this big plan. She got out of confidence, started being squirrely. You know what that means? You know why they say that? Because you ever seen a squirrel run across the road? For some reason, they don't try to make it. They stop in the middle and freeze and turn back, and they're like, uh. And she was like that. That's why I'm not going to say I'll mess up my message. But she was squirrely. And uh, we know Abraham wasn't the best, but he gained strength and walked in it. But somewhere along the line, that steady word from God that he wouldn't change about, that he said, this is how it's going to be, she was up and down. She became confident in it. It says here, by faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she born a child. So when it says by faith... Faith just means confidence. And faith comes by hearing God's word. How many of you know when she first heard that unchanging, unaltering word? She wasn't too confident in it. But how many of you know the word itself is confident? And she went, you know what? Somewhere along the line, as she moved forward, and it says through faith she got the strength. That means she started accepting what God has said as a fact. She realized God is not a man, that he should lie. Or the son of man, that he would change his mind. He will perform his word. Here's what you need to know then. Sarah in her up and down life didn't Disqualify what God said. Are you with me? Did not disqualify what God said. In other words, it didn't come to an end. God didn't go, well, you know, you could have done better there. I'll go find somebody else. But he literally, she came from the place of wavering to the place of trusting. And let's go back to Numbers 23, or maybe you're still there. But Numbers 23, where he said, God is not a man, and I've got to get back there. And you can find, though, through the Bible where people were up and down, but eventually they walked in. Even the disciples were this way. You know, there was one time the Lord said, let's go back into this city And the disciples are walking behind him, you know, cruising along. And one of them said to the others, Yeah, let us go back and we'll all die there together. That's encouraging. I mean, you're following the Lord. You're a pillar in the church. You're the one who's going to start this thing. You guys. These guys have 12 thrones now in heaven. I mean, they're at the top of the... I mean, when you get there, you're going to go, Jesus, and then you're going to see, oh. And one of those guys was the one who said, yeah, let's go with him and we'll all die. (laughs) Uh Huh? But, But God said, I chose you guys, and you're going to start the new church. This thing that was called a mystery that didn't exist until... After he died and rose again, and he's the guys he picked, you know, the movie The Dirty Dozen, you know, they were not the... But there were qualities in them that humans didn't recognize. Are you with me? There were qualities in them that if you just looked at them, you'd think, wow, look who he picked. You know, mighty, David's mighty men of valor? You know, we talk about them. Go read their lives. They were a group. But he seemed to do okay by picking them. And when the Lord picked these 12, he didn't just go, all right, let's pick some names out of a hat. Oh, can we put this one back? <laughs> I know that Peter guy. We so just put that one back and... That's Peter again. No, he didn't do that. It said he went up on a mountain and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And when he came down, he got direction from heaven. He started picking these people. How many know God can see beyond where you're at today? That doesn't mean you do, it means he does. But often, to help you see beyond where you are today, he'll show you things about your future. And sometimes you go, how does this connect from here to here? What's in the middle of it? You are, and God picked you. And so when he said certain things to Sarah or to different ones in the Bible, I mean, could you imagine? You pick a guy that we're going we're gonna to set up the kingdom of God in the earth through you guys, and they're like, yeah, let us all go with them and we'll all die. That means the whole thing's going to end. I don't know if this thinking was exactly correct. Jesus had told them heaven and earth will pass away. My word will not pass away. He said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and he's already counting the church out. He's a leader. Well, then he's out the door. No, he wasn't out the door. Go back to the 19th verse. God is not a man. God doesn't call people because of their present position, location, where they're at, how they appear. He did that with David. You know, he he sent a prophet and and the prophet said, Oh, this one, you know, he looks good. God said, No, I rejected him because you look at the outward, but I look at the heart. You know, the Bible said not many noble are chosen, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So if you felt a little foolish you fit right in to God's choosing. It's the ones who say, I don't need God. I don't have to have God. I can do it on my own. They get you in trouble. And God said, I will take those people and I will make them into something where they will start confounding others. And if we look here, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. What he has told us, what he has said to you, what he has promised you, sometimes doesn't always equate in your, your noodle. That, that's your thinking. When everything's going good, sometimes it equates. Of course God would choose me. I sense his power all over me right now. I sense his peace working in me. Of course, he would choose me. He sees beyond. And if Sarah didn't disqualify and she was to have the Messiah be the, and a nation start through her, how many of you know God's word's still good? Even in people's failures. Well, what do you have to do? You have to stand up. You have to just start walking. Somebody said, well, I don't feel like walking. Then tiptoe or barely move. But here's the thing. Notice this. Back to the 19th verse. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Change his mind. Has he said it? Will you not make it good? No, it's not what it said. Will he not do it? Why did he do for Sarah what he said? Because he had told her something. You know, in other words, she, she was pressed. I mean, Peter is going to be the chief, really, in the kingdom. He's going to be the inaugural speaker of the church. The Lord said, you're it, and he failed the Lord. He cussed. He denied the Lord. How many of you know God's word was still steady toward him? But what was the key? He just had to get back up. You know, somebody said, well, I don't even feel strong enough to get back up. Well, that's okay in the Bible when people stood they gained strength. They did. And so if we look through the Bible, we can see that not, you know, that failure doesn't always end things. Are you with me? We need to realize this when he said, will he not make it good? Has he spoken or has he spoken and will he not make it good? If God spoke something, he's going to make it good. I'm sure that's why Habakkuk said, write the vision, make it plain, so those who read it can follow after it. There is just something about writing down things God has spoken to us. Whether it's through his word, or by his spirit, Because there will come those days where the word will be constant. It will always be constant. But there may be days where we're in the tent laughing. Like Sarah. So what do we need to do? We need to go back and remember what he said. There are plenty of scriptures. Turn with me to Hebrews 6.18 that are very similar, you know, to this. God is not a man that he should lie. Why, why would he constantly or repeatedly need to say something like that? I mean, if God, if God tells you something, why do you need to hear he's not a liar? If he said, I'm coming back, why do I need to hear he's not a liar if he said he'll help me why do i need to hear he's not a liar you know in thinking about some of this stuff if you're in the watching things in the news and israel and everything going on and if you know some bible prophecy we could very interestingly be at a peculiar time in history I mean, Israel announced yesterday publicly, if Hezbollah attacks us, we will go for the head of the serpent, we will preemptively now strike Iran publicly. Man, if you know Ezekiel 38 and you look at the nations, there's 8 of them or so mentioned in detail. but really though they they only make up 5 like because some of the nations like turkey you know one part and another part make up the whole thing and if you look at turkey and libya russia and iran and those countries that are there You go, wow, that's going to happen sometime, and now Russia's talking like, hey, we'll help you, and Hamas is cheering him on. Now, I'm not trying to say we're at the Ezekiel 38 war, but if God told us things, and we're on a time clock, and this is why I was going to say this, then God's not a man that he should lie. If this comes down to it, then so be it. If it doesn't, it's just the rumblings, and people are aligning themselves. But what got me about this, and looking at these things and remembering some stuff, I thought, if you read Ezekiel 38, it says it will happen at the end of time, way later. But this was the interesting thing, that before it would happen, it said he would call his people back from the earth to the land, we know that happened in 48, then it said he would later on call people out of the north his people from the northern parts. What's so interesting, that happened when the Iron Curtain fell 25, 30 years ago. And it's almost like, I wonder if people realize where we're really at. Like, it's almost like that doesn't even exist in people's thinking. That we're well beyond that of of uh, something on the time clock that says we're in the latter days. Like, toward the end. So if God's not lying, and he put yesterday's news in there a couple thousand years ago so we could know some stuff, then everything else he said is true too. How many times have people failed in the earth from the time Christ died and rose till... The time that Israel's last group came from the north didn't stop it. Didn't stop it. Notice this Hebrews 6. What am I getting at? God's word is true. You know, people who have failed can get back up. God sees things in us that He wants to use. And he wants to transform us into something that is a bright, shining light to the world. There is major potential in the believer. Somebody said, I don't know. No, if you got saved, he made you brand new in spirit. And how many believe that if his word is true, his word is unchanging, his word is powerful... Would you agree? If he doesn't lie, look at this. Hebrews 6, verse 18. It says that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, God made a promise, then God made a promise. And really it's saying, in the context, why did God have to say it twice when he won't lie? Why did he have to say it twice when he won't even lie? Why didn't he just say it once? Because he wanted to drive home the point of the power of his promise and the power of his word. He said, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. In other words, if I tell you, hey, I'm sorry, and I cannot lie, you don't need to hear me say, I'm sorry, again, about that. Why? Because I won't lie. It is flat a fact. You're forgiven. I forgave you. You don't need me to repeat it to you. The repeating it has got nothing to do with me. It would have to do with you because I cannot lie. You get what I'm saying? Meaning, if you're God... So what power is there behind God having to say something more than once when he can't lie? He's trying to drive home the fact, what I've told you, what i promised you, is flat A fact. And if you go up and down or whatever, just get in there and stick with it and know that it's true. Titus says something very familiar. Timothy, Titus, the first chapter, the second verse says, in hope or expectation of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised. You know, it might be good for us to think, whatever God's promised, He doesn't lie about. Well, then that means if I waver, I can always run back to that promise because it won't change. I can always run back to what he said because it won't change. He said, in hope of eternal life in which God who cannot lie promised before time began in other words he promised this before even man failed and man failed and man sinned and then death came to man but it didn't change that he had promised this and guaranteed this before humans ever messed up and it still worked I said it still worked What what am I getting at here? doesn't matter where you're at, it's where you need to go. It's, you need to know that if he promised, it's good. His word is good. Turn to James, the first chapter. This is real interesting to me to read this verse in the first chapter because we're talking about humans who may change, but God's word does not change. One thing I know about God's word to us, whether it's written here or things he's quickened, there is like medication in those words to your soul. There's like peace for your mind. When you hear something from God and he deals with you, no matter what's going on, whether you're up and down like Sarah, there is medication in his words. They minister peace to the inside. They minister confidence to a person. And the big thing is, it's not like speculative, where if you step on speculation, there's no ground. You you just sink. But if you step on something sure, like God's Word, it will hold you up. But I'm going to look at this, and we'll close over here in James, the first chapter. Concerning our life, the promises that pertain to us. You know, if you'll ask God, will you remind me of what you talk to me about? I think that is a legitimate thing that believers should talk to God about. What have you really said to me? The Bible said, if anybody lacks wisdom, or the skill to do, or the ability to apply, said, let him ask of God who will give liberally. But it's interesting, he said, if. That means sometimes people don't lack. But there are times we've gotten things and we might go, is this what you're saying? And we'd go back and he'd reassure it to us or redirect us in it. I know he does this in people's lives all the time. He did it with Peter after he went up and down. He had basically said, you're going to be a rock in the kingdom. That is a pretty good promise. What's the Lord saying to you? You're going to be a goofball. You're going to be this. Peter's like, me? I'm going to be a rock. Wow. Man. Now, God didn't say that about other people. But I mean, people, you know, hear this prophecy about Peter, rock. Well then, obviously, all the problems that are going to occur are going to happen with the other 11. Because this dude, a rock. He's going to preach the first sermon. What about that rock promise? And Peter said, I'll tell you what, he's trying to act like a rock. If anybody denies you, it won't be me. Just to let you know. And all the disciples heard that too. And Jesus said, "Now nah, you're going to. And he blew it. And when the Lord appeared to him again, he said, well, I'm not a man that I should lie. I told you that, but you messed up. Sorry. No, that's not what he said. What did the Lord do to him? Did the Lord tell him, you need to repent right now? You know what the Lord said to him? All he did was talk about divine purpose. He said, feed my sheep. And he said, do you love me? And he said, yeah. And he said, feed my sheep said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. And Peter got frustrated and was like, you know I do. You know my heart. But what was his call all about from the beginning? To feed the sheep. Did his wavering? Now, I'm not promoting wavering. I'm not promoting wavering let's go mess up and do something dumb just to see how faithful God is. No, because those things hurt us. I mean, Peter was hurting. Could you imagine you deny the Lord and he, he was not, you know, it says he wept bitterly or sorely. So we know he was hurting about this. He didn't want to do that to the Lord. I mean, could you imagine now you've got an appointment with the Lord? Great, he rose from the dead. You know, I mean, he didn't just die. He rose from the dead. Now I got to see him right away. I saw a video the other day that popped up. It was this airplane where this uh, steward was rude and this guy was like upset because he kept telling, put your seat back up and they were just flying. And uh, then all of a sudden an engine popped and blew out. And the And the pilot said, don't worry, we're going to make it. Yeah, we got one more. These planes are made to fly this way. And then the other one went. Anybody see this? And uh, all of a sudden he said, you guys all better call whoever you want to. Because this is it. So you hear all these people calling their loved ones, except for this guy that went to recline. he said, why call them? He calls the car place and starts tearing them up. You know, you did this, I'll come down there and I'll fight you, you get ready, I'm going to beat you up and all this, and then all the people are like, whoa, and he's all, why are you calling all the people you love? Just do this, and they all start calling people and tearing into everybody, and then the pilot comes back on, just kidding, the plane's going to land, we'll be okay. And they're like, oh great, we all called these people and caused all this problem because we thought we were going to die? And they're all, in other words, like, Peter, i got to see the Lord again. He rose. And then the pilot came back out and said, no, just kidding. The plane is really going to crash. And everybody went, yay, yay. Well, I'm sure Peter was like, uh, oh, I've jacked this thing up. And now the Lord rose. i got to go see him. And you know, when the Lord went and saw him, he didn't say, well, that was the end. You know, the promise was for this, if you were totally perfect. But you know what? His words to Peter were medicating. They helped him. You know, God's not a man that he should lie. This is why I said it would be good for us to go back and ask God, what have what you told me? What what have you wanted me to do that maybe in my own self, I've thought, nah, this won't work, or it can't work. And he said, if you ask for wisdom, he said, let him ask and he'll give it. Mm -hmm. Turn to James 1, if you're not there, and verse 17. You know, I mentioned this the other day, I think at prayer about people who are even afraid to to die because they think oh I'm going to have to stand before the Lord. I said you know there's got to be something wrong in somebody's head if they're afraid to stand before the Lord. I I wonder if they I said this I wonder if they think getting into heaven is like getting into a gang and you get jumped in blood in blood out. So you know everybody is cool with getting in there and living but it's that first day when you have to stand before the Lord How could that be like he's gonna beat us all up? And he's like, You're in the gang. You're like, Getting here, don't want that to happen. Living here, want that to happen. You know how many people think that way? Like, oh, great, we gotta stand before him. His blood washes us. It's not like, Oh, great, now I'm gonna be disqualified when I get there. What am I saying? That God wants us to fail? No. But what he does want is for us to get hope again. And realize whatever he said is so. Whatever he promised is a fact. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should change his mind after something occurred. If he said it, will he not do it? This to me right here in closing is real interesting. James 1.17 James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. They they come from God. Comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. In other words, this is how God is. He doesn't change these things. Come from Him. You should expect good from God. Hebrews eleven six said, Without faith it's impossible to please him. That means be confident in him. Then he tells you what to be confident in. He said, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and we do. And then there's the other thing you have to believe. That he's a rewarder. Of those who will look to him. Who will pursue him or follow him? He's a reward. You are required to believe God will do good for you. Who said that? Me? No, I'm just repeating him. And notice, there is no variation or shadow of turning with him. In other words, he's not up one day and down the next. He didn't change his mind. And I love this. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of his power. How do you get born again? By his word. Wow, then that means you have something so steady in you that God works with. That will cause things to be performed. Because God's not a man that he should lie. And you were born of those words that don't lie. Your head may lie. Your feelings may lie. But when you've been born of God, His own will He brought us forth. His will He chose by the word of His power. It was His doing that drew us and not ourselves. And so He puts something in you that He can bring out. Something powerful, he said, it's my word, the thing I watch over to perform, the thing I watch over to make good, the thing I watch over is what you're born of. That means he will constantly work in you and not fail you. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of his power that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, we're his creation. He works with us. You know, no matter where you've been, what you've been up to, how many of you know that He's got a plan? Even if you forgot His plan for a while. Even if you laughed at His plan for a while. Even if you said, I'm going to do it my own way for a while, follow Him. He will perform things in your life, and I don't mean next week. I mean now.